0: It's jessica from say libraries turn the page podcast and i am welcoming uh back because we had you on i believe last year a uh, jane cowie author of one of the boys um which is a speculative fiction book um and it is uh quite interesting as a mom of boys myself um who wants to raise good sweet boys um and you know it's uh It's quite a world out there. Um, This one piqued my interest. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it and um,
1: where it all came from? Um, Okay, I will. I'll I'll start by saying um, thank you for having me back again. It's really nice to be on the podcast again. So one of the boys, uh, one of the boys is a book about A not-too-distant future in which we have identified a genetic cause for male violence. We can test for these particular genes or for this gene. And we are testing newborn baby boys to see if they have it or not. So it follows two sisters who both give birth to boys quite close together. Um, One has her son tested and one doesn't. And that sets their lives off and the lives of their sons off on these two sort of very divergent, very different pathways as they grow up in a society where boys can now be labeled as good or bad. So the two sisters, um,
0: that was like a pivotal, you know, a really big part of the story, which was um, which was interesting of is B and Antonia. would um, so um when you wrote the two of them, um kind of wh- um how did you sort of get into their their diverging headspaces while you were writing?
1: so I I knew I wanted to write about sisters. um one of the reasons I wanted to do this was because it allowed me to take two women with very different lives, very different thoughts about the world um who are still forced together because they are family. So their lives still intertwine really tightly, even though they're really, really different. And they've been different right from being sort of very young children. Um, I think so. Yeah, that's, that's really why I went down this route. We have the older sister Antonia, um, socially ambitious, maritally ambitious, married to a doctor, cares a lot about money and status and how she looks um, she has her son tested, he gets a negative test, um, and she's sort of um springboarded off then into a really sort of positive, lovely, well-moneyed, nice existence. B is younger, um, has her son, she gets pregnant by accident, um, unmarried, no money, no great job, and doesn't have her son tested. Um so yeah that was kind of the the path that i went down
0: so social status does play a lot into um you know just the society in general and also um the the sisters um as well um you know um and what's interesting is again like just thinking about how in our society You know, a lot of people who are in prison and, uh, you know, who are brought up in situations where they, you know, end up committing crimes and going to prison, a lot of it, you know, you see that they come from a background that almost sets them up to kind of go from one you know in a way bad situation to the next Um, did that play into it a little bit when you were sort of um, drawing the society that um, you know that these two sisters are bringing
1: their sons up in yeah it did because I I think I really wanted to explore not just this idea of, of the good boys and the bad boys but also the influence that social class has when you find yourself in a good or or bad situation. And I think we often underestimate the impact that it has or how much easier life becomes if you can afford to fix your problems. So for B, it becomes very much about, um, you know, she has this son, she doesn't have him tested. The time at which she doesn't have him tested, the test isn't really a big thing and she doesn't think much of it. And so she's just sort of, you know, this split second, I've just given birth um, she's asked, do you want to be tested? And she says, no. And it's it's an instinctive split-second reaction. Later on, she finds that she starts thinking, well, I could now have him tested, but if I do have him tested and he gets a positive result, um, she can't afford to deal with a positive result because what what happens is that the test has a massive impact economically. So people see this, it becomes a real money spinner. And suddenly we have private medical clinics offering drug treatments um, as one of the ways Antonio's husband makes his money. He offers drug treatments to middle class parents of boys with positive tests and be like, well, I can't afford it. There are parenting classes, there are books, there are, you know, all this advice. There are private schools where your child can only go if they've got a negative test. And this becomes also a way of keeping the test going because it's now people have got jobs that are dependent on it. So we can't kind of stop testing so yeah the, the fact that B is in this terrible situation and then cannot afford to get out of it which makes her son's life even more difficult as he gets older and they continue down this path that was really really important and it was definitely something I wanted to explore in the book.
0: Was there um, like a favorite well I mean was there a favorite of favorite character or just favorite character traits that you that you had when you were writing um the two of them
1: um they're both really interesting women I think B and Antonia very different and I can kind of I can understand both of them and the decisions that they make and and where they're coming from I have to say to be honest B is my favorite of the two um yeah, I, yeah. B is my favourite of the two because I think B is in just such a tough position, and she's a very sort of tough and resilient character. And she has a lot more self awareness than Antonia does. I think really, Antonia is very keen to feel that she is more responsible for her situation than perhaps she really is, because her path is smooth by the fact that her husband has got a good job and they've got plenty of money.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, again, like, that's just kind of something I just kept coming back to is just how... You know, I mean, and that's not to say, you know, we certainly see our share of um, criminals or, you know, violent crime come out of, um, you know, well to do families as well. But it does, but you do have a lot more doors open to you and you're almost sort of like, um, I don't want to say untouched but you don't have to really look at what else is going on around you when, you know, your path is pretty clear. um, And, you know, you don't, you know, you can, you can afford to, um, how do I say this? Um, You can afford to skip the side streets, so to say, you know, like you can, you can take, you can take a car past what you might consider the bad neighborhoods and you don't really have to look at what's going on. Um, you know, and you could say, Oh, everything is, you know, this is okay. You know, as long as, you know, this, this keeps continuing. Um, but you know, the people who are on those streets are the people who are really going to get hurt. And those are the ones who are, you know, usually going to, to see it. And, um, I think that it was, it was just a really interesting look just a you know, um, at gender. um, You know, I think um, sometimes because society, you know, kind of shapes gender in general and how you're supposed to behave in a certain way. You know, I know um, I have twin boys and, you know, I was, I was a little nervous because, you know, as a woman who definitely, you know, I'm a feminist and I believe, you know, in, you know, choice and, that we are who we are regardless and you know but there was a part of me that when i found out i was having twin boys i'm like oh what am i what like how how am, you know i don't want to say anything bad cuz my twin my boys are amazing and they're very sweet and they're very empathetic but you know i mean you growing up in a time when it was even more so that people were like, well, boys will be boys. You know, you gotta, you gotta do this. You gotta do that. They got to toughen up, you know, uh, like it, it's, it's intimidating. And, you know, you kind of, you kind of wonder, um, you know, what the role models are going to be that are out there, you know, who are they going to see that they're going to be like, Oh, this is who I want to emulate. And, you know, Uh, really a boy's relationship with his mom and I'm not trying to be all Norman Bates about it because not in that creepy way you know it's a very tender it's a very tender relationship because you are their first real prominent female relationship and sort of how you relate to them it's it, it doesn't just it, it you know a lot of times like you'll be like oh well you know a guy's relationship with his mom you know that all sort of you know set the tone for how he relates to women yes but it's also how he relates to other men yeah um,
1: and I mean, I've, yeah i've got i've got one of each um so i had a girl and then a boy and i know regardless of kind of what sexual children are every child is different and the relationship therefore with every child is different but i do think in my experience, just that moment of it's a girl, it's a boy, you are immediately in a very different place and your mind goes to a very different place and you know that there will be different things in their futures and there are different things you need to prepare them for, you know. So you you have a girl and you know, you're thinking, you know, one day she might get pregnant, one day she might have a baby. This is a different thing. I need to prepare her for female puberty. This is going a different path. And with a boy, you're th- it's a very different future in terms of those sorts of things you know you're going to have to prepare them for and I think it really is a different relationship and I think also for women there is also that that split second thought of I don't really know what to do with a boy I know how to be a girl I know how to you know I know how to go through all those things I know what those experiences are like I don't really know what to do with the boy and then you figure out well basically you know it's you you know you try and guide them and you take care of them and you hold their hand when they need it and those things are all the same and you love them the same but i think there's at the heart of it i think it is it's different
0: so um how so the last book you wrote also kind of delved into um a little bit of this how was one of the boys different to write than curfew
1: so crikey, curfew was written back in 2019 um and I, I I just had this idea some stuff had happened to me kind of some personal things and I'd come to a point in my life I had a complete change of genre of what I was writing and I wanted to write something completely different and I just had this idea of I'm gonna write a book about a curfew for men um and I I had sort of said in the the author letter in the back of that book it's a thing that, that I've kind of talked a little bit about but not in great detail but Obviously, I grew up in a household with domestic violence. My father was a violent man. So this was something I had quite a long experience of. And I had always known that at some point I was going to kind of dig into those experiences and write about that. But the time was never quite right. And then one day it was right. And I, it was about how am I going to approach it? What do I really want to say? And that I I thought I didn't want to write another book, another Handmaid's Tale about how awful things are for women. I wanted to write about why aren't we focusing on men? Because actually women aren't the problem here. Women aren't the problem of male violence. We say women get raped, but you know what? And we leave men out of the sentence. Men are the problem here for these behaviours. And I wanted to focus on that. And that's why I wrote that book about curfew. Coming off the back of curfew, I then needed to write a second book. I was actually working on a completely different book got about three quarters of the way through and my editors decided they didn't like it. Um, This is quite a common thing in publishing for for the inexperienced and the unpublished. It's really common, even when you are published to be working on a book and for the editor to basically turn around and go, do you know what? It's just not the right time for that book. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work with our marketing plan. It's just not the right book right now. So I had to come up with something else really quickly And they wanted something which explored similar themes, so the two books would sort of fit together. um, Came up with half a dozen elevator pitches, so sort of two-line what-if book ideas. And this idea of the genetic test of newborn boys and the violence gene was the one that they were the most excited by. They said, we think this is the idea that's really got the most to it. and and that was kind of the start of it. So the book had to be written, I like to say, very quickly, but I'm not a quick writer because I have to do so many rewrites and seem to be a very slow learner, um, as my agent has politely told me. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of that was how it started, really, was from that basic idea. So...
0: Um without giving too much away um, sort of uh, what do you, um, what do you want people to come out with, come out with when, after they've read this, Um, you know, like you were mentioning um, in the last, you know, for the last one, how, you know, really uh, the problem, you know, with the male violence, it's, you know, we don't focus on, you know, on that. And I think like that's, you know, again, as a boy, as a boy, mom, a mom of boys who you know just kind of grew up in a time where like you know it was like well you know like if something happens to you it's because you know you shouldn't have worn that shirt or you know like you talked to that guy and he got the wrong idea and you know like I'm you know thinking to myself like well you know when i'm raising my boys they <laughs> like that shouldn't even you know like what a girl is wearing shouldn't even be you know like what what the boys were learning at that time was well she's wearing that shirt it's free game well she talked to you clearly she wants you and you know like that that discrepancy is just wild um what about um so coming out of one of the boys um sort of if there was like something you could sort of cherry pick there and kind of drop it in the You know, this is kind of what I'm hoping um, people grab from it, glean from it. What would it be?
1: So, yeah, I mean, I think when we say boys will be boys, what we really do is we give boys a free pass because we're saying, oh, look, they can't help themselves. Oh, poor, poor boys are just, you know, what can you do? That's why women need to watch how they dress and what they say and where they go. It's because because men shouldn't be expected to control themselves because they're not capable of it, Um, which obviously is utterly ridiculous. Um but what i'm I'm hoping people will come out with at the end of this book is sympathy for mothers, because I think there's a lot in this book about motherhood that's really important about how intense and emotional and difficult motherhood is, whether it goes you're in an easier motherhood or a more difficult, it really is an all-consuming, overwhelming, special, amazing, but often very difficult experience. And I also hope that people will dig in a little bit more into the idea of nature versus nurture, because I think that we are often far too keen to buy into what I like to call the born this way narrative especially now we're beginning to understand a bit more about genetics you know everybody's on ancestry.com building this huge database of everybody's genetics and every day they seem to be saying we've we've decided that these particular genes seem to be associated with this disease with that disease we already know you know hair color eye color blah blah it's not long before we're going to be associating genes with behavior but associating genes with behavior doesn't mean that everything else therefore becomes unimportant and how you move through the world, the experiences that you have, the choices that you make. And we do have choices about these things matter. So it's it's far more complicated than that, really, is what I'm hoping people will see. How we treat people matters. Thank you so much. This was
0: great. I think um, people are going to like one of the boys. The the reviews are really, really good. Um, You know, speculative dystopian fiction is, I don't want to say it's awesome because it's depressing. (laughs) But at the same time, um, it makes you think. Yeah, it makes you think. It's a genre that makes you think. So um, I'm looking forward to what comes next from you. Um, Do you have anything in the
1: works? So, at the moment, I'm working on a book which is a kind of about it's about an algorithm that can scrape your entire internet history, everything you've ever done, everything you've clicked on, looked at, read, tweeted, um deleted every forum post you've you know done every sub puppet account you've had, everything you've bought um and is able to solve um cold cases. By scraping people's internet histories.
0: I'm in love with this
1: idea. Please,
0: please, 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 please talk to us about it next year. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> oh, well, we hope so. We hope so. And it should, should be said for anyone who is like a big social media user or a big internet user, there are algorithms in play already that know things about you that you have not told them or anyone else. So It's just—it's so nuts. It's
0: so nuts to me because I do think about that a lot, and I'm one of the first people to have you know, be like, I didn't grow up with the internet, but no, you know, it, it came about when, um, right as I was about to go to college, you know, yeah. it became widely available, probably between my junior and my senior year of high school is when people started getting those um, discs with hours of AOL that you could, you know, like you would constantly be looking for more hours. That was a thing. Um, you know, and yeah, so... that idea is wild to me because in a way, you know, especially when you're a child and I, and this is something I try to tell my boys, like what you do online does not go away. And I don't think that that's necessarily something that is understood. And it definitely wasn't understood back then, you know, because like when, like when you are a kid or you are a teen and you're doing certain things and you're just like, yeah. And then you kind of, realize oh maybe that wasn't a stellar moment in my life and I need to learn to you know like I need to move on from that and I need to move to be a better person you know it's like you're shedding your skin and you're moving towards becoming a better person but there's really no way to shed that
1: skin because you're leaving trails yeah and I I think particularly particularly for children now Um, there are conversations about what age to give a child a smartphone if you give your child a smartphone I don't know 11 12 13 but you have been posting things about that child onto the internet since the day you got pregnant their entire life basically from conception onwards is already online
0: yeah Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's just it's absolutely wild to me. It really, really
1: is. And um, man, (laughs) I I think there will be positives to this, you know, there are are studies being child where they're looked at looking at, for example, algorithms that may be able to detect very early stage cancers based on subtle changes in behaviour um in in shopping habits in what sort of things people are browsing there's a study being done in the uk at the moment with one of the big supermarkets that monitors your shopping habits and various things saying can they detect early stage ovarian cancer because they begin beginning to see now that there are patterns of behavior change that women display before they've got symptoms that they could really kind of pinpoint as symptoms when it's still quite mild and diffuse um and they're saying they think they may be able to pick out women who need to go for early screening before it which, becomes too advanced. Which is amazing. Yeah. As so somebody who coming. lost
0: both of her parents to cancer, I can say that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, those sorts of things are coming. But there's also, obviously, there's going to be a dark side to this as well. And we need to really think about, yeah, what we're doing. Thank you so much. This was awesome. It was fantastic to talk to you. It's been a great conversation.
0: Absolutely. Um, so uh, pick up One of the Boys by Jane Cowie, and uh, we will see you hopefully next time for your next book. Yes, we hope so. <laughs> we yeah, are going to close to this to you Turn the Page. Thank you. Thank you. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.